inspiration, success stories, expert advice, strategies, new ideas, and amazing conversations. Everything you need to become a great speaker. This is Oscar Santolaya, and welcome to Time to Shine. Hello, and thanks for joining. Today, I'm happy to welcome for a second time a guest who has been before one of the very, very first guests in this podcast. And now she has very exciting things to tell us. Meta Hoyen is a business rhetorician and keynote speaker based in Copenhagen, Denmark. She is author of Business Rhetoric, How to Turn Your Words into Gold. She trains top leaders and entire business groups in composing and delivering melodious presentations and meetings that are engaging, win customers, create growth, and bigger black figures on the bottom line. Hello, Meta. Hello, Oscar. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Thanks for having me again. Yeah, it's a pleasure having you again after a bit more than three years. So it's a pleasure. And I know many exciting things have happened to your life. So Please tell us. Absolutely. Well, um, <laughs> on on my personal side, I I had a little boy, baby boy. Congratulations! So that's a big thing. He's <laughs> um, he's really good at his rhetoric. At least he, he gets what he wants all the time. So uh, probably you should be speaking to him about uh, this topic. But uh, on the other side, he's only eight months old. So um, he he only masters the nonverbal side of. Uh, of rhetoric so maybe it's better to speak to me after all <laughs> and as you said i published my my first book last year on business rhetoric um which is the art uh, of speaking and acting persuasively and with personal impact in daily meetings presentations and conversations so um yeah that that, that was two big things that happened to me i guess mm. since we spoke last yeah. time Awesome. Congratulations for that. Thanks. And, and we have talked about uh, rhetoric also in our previous interview. And now we have this new concept. I haven't heard it before. It's called business rhetoric. So could you start telling us what is it? Well, business rhetoric is um, the art of speaking and also behaving convincingly uh, in your daily business life. So whenever you're entering a conversation, um, a meeting, a presentation, it's all about persuading people. Of course, there are, um, this is not a new thing to rhetoric, right? It's always been about persuading people. But the reason why I founded this topic, business rhetoric, is because I found that the old rhetoric, which has always dealt with law um, and politics, and celebrating values. So those three original speech uh, genres, I, I found that they they were not suited for business, so to say, because in business meetings, conversations, presentations, I find often a need to take both uh, the past, the future, and the present into consideration. And and the old rhetoric only deals with one time at a time, so to say. So when we are in a business context, we cannot behave as politicians and just propose something and then 
it's a yes or no from some voters. We need to have everybody with us. We need to have the past with us. We need to take the future into consideration. So I found that the business setup needs a more um, needs a better rhetoric that takes care of the more complex situation that I think uh, business communication is. Mm-hmm. So you said the the three um, targets of the classical rhetoric were low uh, politics and mm. and then celebrating values. Celebrating values, and now yeah, and now the business rhetoric. And how did you um, how did you come this um, idea? A moment to to create this this concept or think that there is a need for this? Well, it I, it came out of my everyday work and it would be a big big lie to say that i i thought of this as a concept from the beginning i didn't mm. i just started to work with business people and then i i thought it was super interesting so i made a niche out of it and and then i started to recognize different meeting needings needs situations and then i think it was not more than one and a half years ago, I've been running um, this business rhetoric uh, concept uh, or business for three years now, but it was only one and a half years ago when somebody asked me, so uh, what is it that you do? And then, I, and I can admit here, I think it was on the influence of a little bit of rosé wine. Um, <laughs> then, then it was all of a sudden, it was very obvious that I'm a rhetorician who works with business. So, business rhetoric <laughs> that's it and, and that's it and that's all i don't know if it's i've heard many people say that business rhetoric is a super boring term <laughs> <laughs> and and i guess in a way it is not the most interesting term but but i think it's a very precise term because it's, it's rhetoric and rhetorical tools that fit the needs in daily business communication Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's it's uh, um, it represents what it does. No? <laughs> so I've been um, reading not hundred percent of your book yet, but I read a great part of your book. And I've been really very fascinated with new ideas that I haven't heard before because it, many things, as you said, you have created or, or adapted the the classical rhetoric for mm. the business life and also from your background as a musician so there are a lot of new things that i don't see so often in 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 other books or what other authors says so i will grab some of these ideas for instance one that i like is is difference between the training zone and a performance zone tell us mm. about that mm. as you said I have a background as a musician. I've been playing trumpet for many years. And when and besides that, my my husband, he's a professional trumpet player, so he's a great deal better than I am. Um and one thing that that struck me when I started to write the book was hmm, in business we perform a lot, mm-hmm. but we don't save much time or set much time aside for practice. And when I look at the everyday life of my husband, so he has probably um, eight operas or ballets or concerts a week or 
rehearsals, but he practiced four hours a day on his own. And four hours a day, that's a lot. And I don't encourage any business people to take aside four hours a day because it's completely unrealistic. And mm -hmm. it's also not, not um, there is not a need to practice communication for four hours a day. But I discovered in my work and my daily life as a coach and speechwriter and and person who helps people with, with these um, conversations and presentations, that people don't set aside time for practicing. They just, you know, stumble into the performance being the presentation or the, the meeting or the conversation. Um, that being said, I am aware that many people, most of them, especially on an executive level, they have people um, preparing slides for them. Mm -hmm. uh, they have initial meetings around um, an eventual uh, participation in whatever. So it's, of course, people prepare. But but when we re if we return to the importance of the individual leader to appear um, with personal influence and an impact, I didn't find that many people set aside time for practicing. So I was very, that was a very long explanation just to say, I was inspired by the very continuous and consequent and stubborn um, practicing that musicians do and also sports people, I guess, to the best of my knowledge. And I wanted to take a bit of that into to, to the everyday business life. So, what I mean by dividing the training zone and the performance zone is when you go into a meeting, you're in the performance zone. Don't think about how to improve, what to improve. But when you go back or go out of the meeting, think about what went good, what went wrong. And before you go into an, a, new a new situation, pick one thing to practice. Pick one thing to practice. And it's not enough to say, oh, I want to become a better speaker because how do you do that? So one of my points here is break it down. When you want to become a better speaker, you need to break it down into little um, achievable goals. So that's that's what I'm, I'm saying. You should use your time in the training zone to pick one thing at a time to practice. And this is how you get better at playing an instrument as well. You cannot practice more things at a time. But in business, somehow we, we think we can practice one million things at a time. Mm -hmm. And I guess you need you need to to work with someone else, no, to somehow help you or give you feedback, accountability. So how is this in practice? Uh, so it, I didn't get the first part, Oscar. But did you ask how I practice myself, or yeah, uh, um, let's say a business leader who who wants to do in this training zone, so so really. Uh, spend time there yeah how do we do it that's what you're asking yes if um, what I uh, what I mentioned first is if uh, you need someone to help you or to be with you to... oh okay yeah now I get it uh, well you at some point I would say you need me <laughs> to coach yes to, to point you uh, in the right direction mm. or you You, or maybe, or you need another person or coach who is an, uh, a specialist in this area. But what what is important for me about my exercises is that it is exercises that you can practice yourself. 
Mm-hmm. Um, we can. Uh, a good example is one of my signature exercises that is called the power circle. Um, and I know we are on sound only here, uh, but I will explain quickly about power circle. Power circle is an exercise designed to help you to get to the point. Power circle is an exercise to help you have more pauses in your speech. Power circle erases a lot of bad speaking habits, such as erms and stress in the body. And it also helps us to um, hold our head high and look at the audience um, and make our articulation better. So how do you do a power circle? Well, if everybody can imagine that you take your left hand and then you have your left pointing finger uh, just in front of your navel. So everybody have their finger there. And then you take your right pointing finger, putting, um, putting, making it rest on the left pointing finger, and then you simply draw a circle in front of you. And we are speaking about maybe 40 centimeters here. So medium big circle. The point is that what you're saying should be in the circle. So short sentences that help you to get to the point. Let me do a little presentation example. Mm-hmm. My name is Mette Hoyen. I'm a business rhetorician. I'm here today to talk about trust. Good. When I'm speaking, so this, this was three power circles. I'm simply moving my arm and finger around and then I can see what I'm saying and I can feel what I'm saying. And this is one of the, the big training, practicing problems in business communication in general. So we, we know we shouldn't speak too long sentences and we know that we should hold more pauses because pauses are effective. But the problem with these messages is that the brain don't know how to translate them into action. So that's why I created Power Circle. And then when that's being said, when when you know what to say, you take the circle away, right? So you don't go out into the world just drawing circles in the air. But when you have practiced what to say, you can take the circle away and then the short powerful sentences will stay with you and if you just do your opening of a meeting or presentation with two or three power circles you you have a really really good start for yourself and then you can go into more uh to longer sentences simply i hope it makes sense uh even though it's just audio here yeah of course it'll be tricky to <laughs> to catch it without that but i get a point that that forces you to measure um, um, with your hand, with your with your hand, the um, the length of a short sentence. So you do a short sentence, you know that okay, it should be over, and now another short sentence, and then it should be over. Yeah. Okay. Well, that uh, I like that, and I know it's it's on your books. So explain with a with. With and a picture. I also put it out on my YouTube channel, actually. Okay, even <laughs> <So> better. <laughs> it, it, it's easier. Yeah, it's easier to 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 watch the video. Okay, excellent. Yeah, but I like a lot this point about the training zone because, uh, as you said, uh, there must be a time for reflecting, uh, feedback, 
and things outside the performance zone. Mm. Uh, then another point I saw is you have a chapter called rhetorical strategy in which for different types of uh, mm. meetings or events, you you divide mm. in time you know, what's the percentage of mm. one type of meeting or, or uh, speech and you uh, divide it between informing, motivating, and activating. That mm. often find very, very useful for the preparation. So could you tell us a bit about that? Sure. So this is um, this is actually something that I developed with uh, inspiration from Cicero. So um, it is a classical tool, preparation tool to to think about your speech from from a function point of view. And when we look into inform, motivate, and activate, main problem in business communication. I think I dare to say is that we inform people way too much. Mm -hmm. So the, the level and the, the amount of information or teaching is too big because we easily, and, and I, I think it's not because we want to hurt people with all this information. It's just because we are so clever and we know so much, but we need to bear in mind that, we have people in front of us, whether it's the board, it's the employees, or it's an external stakeholder group. We have people in front of us who live in a very complex world, who is exposed to a lot of communication, a lot of other thoughts, a lot of other things. So what we need to do with all the information that we have, we need to wrap it in carefully in motivation and activation because when people are activated and that can be we ask them questions we engage them we have a dialogue we tell stories when we activate them they feel more motivated and when they feel more motivated it's more likely that they will remember all the information that we're giving them so what i encourage people to do with these three functions information motivation and activation is in the preparation process to um, divide or to give these three functions uh, 100% in total. So how many percent in my presentation should go to information? How many percent in my presentation should go to motivation? How many percent in my presentation should go to activation? In that way, we can make sure or be more sure that we don't kill people with information, mm -hmm. but make sure to leave time and resources to motivate and activate them as well. Mm -hmm. Could you give us one, one concrete example, one type of meeting, for instance? Uh, well, yesterday I was with 50 senior um, relationship managers from, from a big bank, um, and I asked them, to, I told them what I just told you now about the functions. And then I took a situation, um, which is a meeting with a potential, potential new customer. And then I said, okay, in the ideal world, how should we divide 100% between these three functions? 
for this first meeting. And then, of course, when we deal with communication and rhetoric, there is no right answer as there is in math, but there are more qualified uh, and comprehensive answers. So in this situation, a professional bank person meeting a potential new client, I would say information 20 to 30, um, motivation definitely 40. So let's say that was 30, 40, and then 30 to activate activation. And activation here, I think, should be a lot about asking questions and mm-hmm. and um, talking about establishing a relationship, um, underlining or stressing a lot uh, how important confidence is in a relationship when you when you enter a relationship uh, with a new bank. So. Yeah, so I, I guess that that's how I would solve that situation. Mm-hmm. So presenting your business to a new potential customer, no, relatively low in information. So the the key element, the key elements, the key message that you want to give, and putting a lot in this uh, activation, right? The interaction that is asking questions. Uh, yeah, and and motivate them to to move on to the next meeting. So you, mm-hmm. you want an accept to meet again. And then at the next meeting, we, we, we assume that we have established some, some level of trust mm-hmm. and then people can take more information. In. Yes. And then also the information part becomes more relevant to the, to the, um, to the, the customer. Because what, what we want first when we enter this relationship as a, from the customer's point of view is a person we can trust Mm-hmm. So, so that's the interpersonal uh, factors that are really important at the first meeting, and then at the second meeting, we can we can focus more on the on the um, the, num- the numbers and the structure of of the how how the the collaboration looks. So, first meeting is about the relationship and establishing trust and showing who you are as um, as an advisor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, excellent. What else is uh, important in this uh, rhetorical strategy? I think, well, one thing I put in the book, which is obviously what I also think is important, mm-hmm. is to think about time. So mm-hmm. when when do we need to speak about the past? When do we need to speak about the present? When do we need to speak about the future? And the reason why I put that in, and it's the same principle as before, you have it's for preparation situations. You have 100%. How many percent should go to past? How many percent should go to present? How many percent should go to future? I often hear people um, spending too much time on the past, what we have done, mm-hmm. how it was before, uh, what we have been thinking until now. So people um, in general, speak a lot about the past, and I guess it's because we know a lot about the past that we we fall into that trap. But it's actually more interesting, I think, um, in the overall in the overall game of moving people and businesses forward to 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 take the necessary from the past, explaining what is really important right now in this situation that we're in and where we're going. So. I hope that makes sense as well. 
Yeah, also, uh, I, now that you mentioned, I remember that part. It's also, also a very good way to reflect how you are structuring the, your, your presentation or your speech, you know, putting how much you talk about the past. As, as you said, most people will talk about the past and normally very little about the, the present. And usually the, the future is the, I don't know, people who are more visionary or bold or people who want to uh, promise things tend to speak also about the, uh, the future. Well, yes, of course. Um, it, when you said this, it just occurred to me that in the business rhetoric, I think the ability to, to link these times together is really important. So if you can mm -hmm. only speak about the past, you cannot move people forward. If you, if you can only speak about the present, uh, maybe you are very motivating, but what are the roots and what does the future look like? And if you can only speak about the future, people may start to wonder, okay, but again, what are the roots in this? So, you know, the, your ability as a leader or a specialist to, to tie the roots together with the stars <laughs> in the sky. I think that's really important that you can, you, you have that full repertoire in your knowledge and your speaking uh, abilities. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For linking with the, uh, with the right words, you no, know, the three, the three times, the three dimension of time, connecting the, with the right words. So they sound like a, it's like a storyline that is inspiring and people want to, to follow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Then another thing that um, that I like you mentioned about the three channels of communication, the verbal, paraverbal, and nonverbal. Yes, it's no secret that it matters what words we say, and that is the para. Uh, oh, sorry, that's the verbal. So what we say is important because people um, they evaluate us all the time. Um, and the words we use and how we structure them uh, tell people if we know what we are talking about. So, of course, the words, the strategy, the argumentation is really important here. But when we talk about business rhetoric and the art of, of acting uh, persuasively and with personal impact, it's also important how your voice sounds and what your body language looks like. And body language is a big Um, it's a big box of different things, um, mm -hmm. how you walk, how you, how you, um, how you, how you walk, how you stand still, your mimic, your eye contact. Are you smiling? Are you not smiling? Are you waving your arms around in gestures or are you not waving your arms around? So voice and the whole body language, um, is also really important to how people perceive us when we say something to them. Um, and, and the clue here is that how your voice sounds and how you look needs to match the content of your speech or presentation or conversation. So you need to look engaging and you need to sound engaging if you're presenting a new strategy that you think is, is really great. Um, I think this is this is probably known stuff to many of your listeners, Oscar. So I, I don't think this is 
I don't think this is this is not a new idea, um, mm -hmm. but but I found a need to to put it in the book anyway, and, and to to help people practice this again. I think I think the practice part is really important, but it's 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 odd and weird to practice body language because the goal I think is not to copy somebody's body language you you kind of need to find your own so where i start as an example um, could be that okay let's practice gestures because when you're most people they have their hands in their pockets or behind their backs and that's really unhealthy for their voice so first thing i do here is okay let's have your arms straight up okay let's you know give give your body some space And then place your arms in front of your navel again, like we did with the power circle. Mm -hmm. And then we decide um, some keywords for you. Let's say, let's say, Oscar, we talk about leadership. Um, and then uh, if we take three keywords uh, that you want to, to, to talk about in leadership, that could be um, leadership is a two-way communicate two-way um, act, act. Um, leadership what could leadership be Oscar any ideas mm. inspiration is important in leadership yeah it is um, and engagement mm -hmm. okay so let's say Oscar that you're going to speak about leadership and I ask you to place your arms in front of your navel because I know when your arms are up here you're more likely to use them so now I want to point out some keywords here and the job is to every time I come through a keyword which could be the two-way act I need to take you know I need to reach out and serve the keyword so if I say Oscar Leadership. Leadership is many things, but one of the most important is that keyword uh, that leadership is a two-way act. Then I'm actually taking my right arm and serving the two-way act, serving that keyword as you serve a, a glass of wine, for example. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I hope you can all see that movement. Mm -hmm. So picking a keyword and then practicing how to serve and point out the keyword. That's a, that's a great way to get started. And what happens when we, we, we use our gestures more, we help our voice to sound more strong. And often our articulation and mimic, it, it follows. So I figured out instead of, you know, practicing just blinking with one eye or, or doing somebody else, something else, It's just starting with the gestures because so so many of the other good stuff follows naturally after that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, having the the body activated, no? everything is gets activated. The voice. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Another point that that I remember from your book is um, you you mentioned the outline. How to outline your presentation. And then the speaker spots in the in the stage or, or where you are presenting or speaking. Mm. So, 
So again, moving around, standing still, uh, creating some balance and dynamic in the room. I think many of your listeners have heard it before, but what I thought to myself again, okay, we I need to make a super simple system because people are wandering around as mad lions in a cage, um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or they are, you know, they are tied to the table <laughs> like an like an old person who can't get away from <laughs> from from where they are standing. So, so I wanted to make a super simple system, and then again, um, I have an outline that I call. Four, uh, four times A outline. So the four A's stands for attention, audience, arguments, action. So attention, well, it speaks a little bit for itself, but attention is where you grab and catch audiences' attention. That could be with a story or with a keyword, as we just discussed before, uh, or an anecdote from, yeah, from your mind or every, everyday life. Audience, tell people why it's relevant to listen to you and why you picked the information that you picked for them. Arguments, that is the body of the presentation, um, running through topics, arguments, counter-arguments, and so on. And then finally, we have the action point, which is my way of encouraging the speaker to tell people what actions or uh, change in thought they would like uh, them to have after the, the speech or presentation. So what I thought was, let's not overcomplicate things here. So I took that outline and I basically placed it in the room. So the attention and the audience, you make a spot in the room and you have these two spots, attention, audience, you perform them in the middle of the audience. And this is no matter how big the room is, you just find some somewhere where it's the middle of the mm -hmm. audience and the room. And then we fold out the arguments. And usually we, as communication people, I think we advise uh, people to have three arguments and maybe take one counter argument into consideration. And then you go from the middle, you walk from the middle, and then you walk to either your left or your right side find somewhere left or right side and go through your first argument. When that's done, you go to the other side of the room. So if you've started to go to the left, it's now time to go out to the right and you have the same amount of distance from the middle um, as you had from the first spot. So already now you have a triangle, right? Then you go through your second argument and then it's about time to start to move back to the first spot, but you're not entirely there yet. So you go into the middle, slightly behind the first spot, you place yourself and the third argument and the eventual counter-argumentation, and you go through that argument topic. When you've done that, you take one or two little steps forward and you're back at spot one. And then and at spot one, you perform uh, your action part of your speech. So, spot one in the middle, spot two in one of the two sides, mm -hmm. spot three in the other side, spot four slightly behind spot one, and then you're back home mm -hmm. at spot one again. Approaching the audience again. Yeah. 
And in that way, non-verbally, the audience can say that the presentation is over. And so uh, it works beautifully. <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's creating dynamic in the room. It's creating balance in the room. But I think first and foremost, it's, it's a joy to see a lot of people who know what they're doing in the room and not just running, walking, <laughs> sitting, standing around, um, not knowing what to do and how to engage the room. So I think that's one of the main, main takeaways with, with, the, with the speaker spots here. Yeah, it feels like you you know what you are doing at the stage. You know what yeah, you're talking about. Yeah, it's important, right? Because if you know what you're doing, or if you look as if you know what you're doing, yes, you you are the audience is mirroring that that perception, and and then we are in the game of the perception that becomes a reality. So even though you're a little bit insecure, do it anyway because audiences will think it's super cool. And it, <laughs> Okay, fabulous. Mete, could you share with us what is your favorite quotation? Yeah, we also talked about this last time, Oscar. Mm -hmm. And um, and I believe I said uh, the the quote from Bill Clinton's former speechwriter, Ted Sorensen. Uh, was that not Ted? Oh, no, I'm lost in my quotations here. Bill Clinton's um, former speechwriter. It was not Ted Sorensen. I'm, I'm rambling here. That was Kennedy's. Whoa. I should have read up upon this. But anyway, um, he said, don't tell people everything you want them to know. Tell people the one thing you want them to remember. Well, so, okay. I remember the quote, but I apparently forgot the person. I'm so sorry about that. What was his name, Oscar? Do you remember? Rothschild. Uh, uh, Tom Rothschild. I think so. <laughs> Yeah, I wish this was a trick to um to um to have people listen more, but it wasn't. I actually forgot it. I'm sorry, but yes, it was Tom Rushard. <laughs> yes, that's. I remember a lot this this uh, this quotation. To be honest, I I use it uh, sometimes also to when someone tries to tell too many things in a short time. Like okay, <laughs> yeah, but it's also it's it's a, it's a tough test, right, to take yourself. It's it's the kill your darlings test. Yeah, of course you have to use it yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Matt, could you also recommend us one book that has been particularly inspiring with friendship for you? Yeah, I thought about this in advance, Oscar, and I know you want me to name a book, but I think at the moment my best tip is to read a book that is fiction. Mm -hmm. um, so you're probably looking for a, a non-fiction book. No, but you, um, you can after, suggest... Uh... After, after some months of not having read, um, I started again a couple of weeks ago, and it, you know, it occurred to me how much I love reading. And I think for if you want to, to become a better leader, communicator, advisor whatever you are out there, I think reading fiction is, is a great inspiration because of the stories and you can maybe use the stories in your work. But I think one of the important things in reading fiction is that you practice your ability to put yourself in other people's place. 
And whenever we are communicating, it's not only about ourselves, our ability to make it short or get to the point or to, you know, walk around in speaker spots. All that helps. But if we cannot put ourselves in other people's places, it doesn't matter. As one famous Danish author said once, Søren Kierkegaard, he's a philosopher, he said, if you really truly want to move a person, you need to start where he is. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that's, that's a personal, personal book takeaway. Read more fiction. Um, any in particular? <laughs> well, my last was um, a brilliant Swedish author called Stefan Arnhem, um, 18 Degrees Minus. It's a um, great, great storyline and um, really, really exciting. He, he knows a, a thing or two about audience uh, attention, I'd say. Okay, sounds very interesting. I will write it down in the show notes of this episode and also have it a look. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Matt, finally, uh, share with us an exercise, something practical that you recommend us doing a daily or weekly a routine to shine. Ooh. <laughs> This is a luxury problem, I think, to choose. But I will choose my power circle. And probably you can put a link to the video so people mm. can, can watch it and see how it's done. But power circle is a great way to shine because it helps you get to the point. It yep. helps you to hold pauses And it erases all bad speaking habits. So practice what you want to say in a circle in front of you. And when you know what to say, you take the circle away. Perfect. Absolutely. We'll go to watch the video of the power circle and start putting it in action. <laughs> Great. Thanks a lot, Matt, for this very interesting interview and about business rhetoric bit that uh, to me sounds... Sounds good. Sounds nice, the, the term, even though you said that some people find it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot, Oscar. Thanks for having me. Yes, please tell us finally how can we uh, learn more about you, follow you. What are the best ways? Well, one way is businessrhetoric.com. A more interactive way is probably look me up on LinkedIn. And then I'm also on Instagram, but uh, I have to to warn you, I'm not an Instagram pro, and it's uh it's a bit, it's a bit random what's up there, but it's uh it's nice and and little personal stuff there. And then, well, main recommendation probably is my YouTube channel, uh, which is the same name as my name, so Meta Hoyen. And I know I have this weird uh, Danish O with a line mm-hmm. through it. Um, And if you cannot have that on your keyboard, go to my website and copy that from my name there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a technical professor, but but I've learned that one. Well, it's true. I mean, it's in, in many countries, that symbol is not in the keyboard. So, yeah. <laughs> exactly. But there's a solution for everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, Matt, it was a pleasure talking with you and... All the best. All the best. Thanks, Oscar. Cheers. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Did you like it? 
please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Stitcher, or visit us at timetoshinepodcast.com. Until next time...